0: Reading today from the Gospel according to Mark. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus died for your sins. But he also died because he was a problem. Let's get that straight. Jesus wasn't sitting in a pen somewhere waiting to be the scapegoat for all time. When the right time arrived and they took him to the altar, Jesus was walking around, talking and doing, and the leaders didn't like it. We put distance between ourselves and the leaders of those days. One commentary cuts right through that. He likened the elders, chief priests, and scribes, you know, the people who rejected Jesus, to lay leaders, and high steeple preachers, and biblical scholars. They were Johnny and Catra, Derek and Will, Professor Hayes and Bishop Holston. Why would good people like us reject someone so righteous and agreeable and sweet as Jesus? We wouldn't. And they wouldn't have rejected a cartoon character of niceness either. Nor would Rome have sentenced to death a quirky man with a tender heart and some pithy sayings. As much as we want to make Jesus a friend who agrees kindly with everything we think and say, he is not. A good friend? I hope so. A kind person? I feel sure. Agrees with everything you or I think or do? I know not. How can I make such a bold assertion when you've been in conversation with Jesus all of your life? Because I've been around people all of mine. I've been with myself the entirety of my life. I know how easily people are deceived by our own biases. I am the best dishwasher loader Possibly in the world. Absolutely within my own family. My mother overloads it. My mother-in-law underloads it. My wife has stopped giving any attention to where she'll put it at all. Because she knows I'm just going to come and rearrange it anyway. My children don't even try. They know nothing of the joy of a properly loaded dishwasher. My claim that it is Tetris for the real world is totally lost on them. The skinny glasses should always go on the top rack, one section in from the outer perimeter. The large plates should go on the bottom rack in the back so that the weight pulls the rack in easily whenever you want to load it. That leaves room for overflow tumblers if they need to go on the bottom rack on those occasions. There's more I can share. Stop by and I will give you a full lesson on how to load a dishwasher. Or for a small fee, I will come to your house and show you how to do it too. I have no doubt that my way is the best way to load a dishwasher. And I also know that some of you right now are thinking that you have a better way to load a dishwasher than I have. And I know others of you are feeling sorry for Sally and our children. (laughs) For what life must be like at my home. And you're hoping that someone will prescribe something to help me get through this issue. You are absolutely certain that you're right that how one loads a dishwasher isn't all that important, and that certainly Jesus wouldn't care. But I'd say it's a stewardship issue. And doesn't Jesus care about stewardship? Whatever our perspective, we come to it from our life experiences, the home we grew up in, our sense of logic and reason. We don't form an opinion about what is right on a whim and then just take it or leave it if someone comes around and offers a different opinion. If we put any thought into it whatsoever, we're fairly certain that we're right about it and we take some real convincing to undo where we are on that matter. To stumbling into a teaching from Jesus about visiting prisoners or welcoming strangers or loving enemies or giving away everything or taking up our crosses, well, that's met with a whole lot of yes, but. Surely you don't mean those prisoners. Or those strangers. Or those enemies. You mean don't love stuff, right? Keep things in their proper place. That's what you mean by giving it all away. A cross. That's a metaphor for struggle. For difficulty, yeah? Yeah? I don't disagree with some of that. I may well have taught you some of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I made it seem that following Jesus is easy and that it comes without cost. It's not and it doesn't. I mean, you can say you love Jesus. That's easy enough. You can try to make him bear the whole cost that's been done. But like it or not, and a lot of times we don't like it, Jesus' ways are demanding and they are not like our ways. We plead nuance and reason and real World, when we get into these discussions and Jesus starts to get under our skin, someone asks a question, and we know it's loaded, but they do it anyway. They ask a question like, What kind of gun would Jesus carry? Who would Jesus exclude? What did Jesus say about money or marriage or counting the cost? Yes, but. Well, he didn't. It's, you know, who invited you anyway? Jesus told his disciples that the very people who were charged with their religious life, with his religious life, were going to reject him, that he was going to suffer. Indeed, that He was going to die. And oh, by the way, anyone who would follow Him had better be ready to take up their crosses too. Because to save their life would mean losing it. Whatever else those around Jesus heard that day, it wasn't, I'm just here to agree with you and to make your life easier. As Jesus pointed his face toward Jerusalem and the cross that he would find there, a form of death about which Cicero said there is no fitting word that can possibly describe a deed so horrible. Jesus said, taking up that cross is what it means to follow me. It's a wonder anyone was left to hear him say, what will it profit you to gain the whole world and forfeit your life? Indeed, what can you give in return for your life? Everyone Jesus met had been given life, an obvious universal. He was now offering them something more, eternal life, and that began right there with Him. Not a foot in both worlds, living however it felt right to them then, and then giving their lives over to Jesus at the hour of their death, but finding a fuller life in Him right then that included dying to self and rising to life. Rising to life in this life. The life they were giving their lives in return for was a life lived with Jesus and a life lived in response to Jesus. It was the kind of life that would ask a question like, how would Jesus have me load a dishwasher? But even more so, what would Jesus have me do and who would Jesus have me be as I'm working through matters of life and death for unborn babies and children and their parents and seniors and working class folk and the imprisoned and people from another country and the poor in our own And somewhere in the midst of all of that, for my church and my family and me, I have ideas about what I think Jesus would say about every one of those issues. And I'm at best only partly right. You are too. We all see in a mirror dimly. But that is no excuse for giving up the quest to find what is the most faithful response. When we've been given life, when the giver of life has given his life, and we've been commanded to take up our cross and follow, and following means sacrifice and humility and dying to self, it is not enough to say, well, that's too hard or that doesn't match my politics or well in the real world it's those are the responses of people who have their minds on human things not of those willing to do the hard work of learning the ways of god certainly not the responses of those willing to join jesus in what they believe matters to Him. Jesus died for your sins. But he also died because he was a problem. He challenged a world that was less than what he wanted it to be. And then he challenged his followers to help that world become what he wanted it to be. It's tough, it's challenging. But it's so important. It's Lent. Such as it is.